Good morning again, everybody. I would like to start us out this morning. Um, I'm going to share a picture with you in just a second. So when I preached a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how in the Eastern Orthodox Church tradition that there is a way of praying that's called hesychasm. Let me write that down here in the chat. It's a Greek word. And we were talking about how that way of praying lets us imagine descending from our minds into our hearts and then picturing our hearts like a nest where we can rest and where the spirit prays for us and tends to us, right? So it's like this safe place for us to be vulnerable and still. And I was telling you about the robins that make their nests in the awning of my backyard every year. Well, the nest that only had eggs in it a couple of weeks ago now has baby birds. And so I managed to probably terrorize them by stepping on a chair and grabbing this picture. So let me let me share these couple pictures I have with you. So if you can see them, I can't quite tell if there are two or three. And you can see that this is also like it's like a little robin duplex, which I think is kind of hilarious too, right? There's like a nest right behind the nest. And then if I came forward just a little like I couldn't even see I was like lifting my camera up and over it. Right. And so they've just been like sleeping there. And while I was doing this, um, either the mama or the papa bird, I can't quite tell them apart with the robins, but one of them was across the yard, like just chirping at me to get away so loud. And if you've ever had a mama or papa bird just like glaring at you chirping, it's a little disconcerting. <laughs> And I wanted to say that if you're if you're listening to this after the fact, like if you're listening on a podcast rather than on a Zoom or video and you can't see the picture, just what we're looking at here is the nest with these two, like maybe three, but I think two scraggly baby birds and they can't quite open their eyes. And they have these like little tiny wisps of feathers that are starting to come in, but they're like, you know, not what I would call cute in the traditional sense. Maybe we could say that they're like, on their way to becoming cute. But they're snuggled in and they're safe and they're waiting for their parents to bring them more food, which with robins can happen up to a hundred times a day. And so right now, like I've been spending a lot of my days just outside working from outside or working in the yard. And we can see that both of the parents, like they are spending their entire days just looking for worms. They go off in the neighborhood, but they're mostly in our yard. They're like trying to stay pretty close and the day after I took the picture of the birds, Rachel and I were sitting outside on the patio. And I mean, the mama and the papa were both there with worms in their mouth and they're just staring at us like we were some threat. And I was like, Rachel, I'm pretty sure this is my fault. <laughs> but here, let me stop the, the screen share. I didn't mean to terrorize them. I love the birds. But I've been using this picture something like this right of like being like a bird in a nest as we've been talking about the theme of transformation and about how transformation or growth spiritual growth personal growth um, we might say in our language resurrection whatever you want to call it that that so often occurs in times of suffering or hardship in our lives and so we've been trying to just delve into exactly like how to foster positive transformation in hard times like how do we build resilience in times of trouble and what does that require of us? And I think the short answer in Christianity is it actually doesn't require that much. It just requires us to nestle like into the darkness and to cozy down into this nest and to let God tend to us. 
And a mature spirituality learns to hold on to God and to learn to hold on to peace right in these turbulent times. And scripture is absolutely filled with imagery like this, right? It's Daniel chilling in the lion's den. It's Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego who are like standing in a fiery furnace, completely unharmed, right? This picture of stillness in the midst of chaos. It's Jesus sleeping through a storm on a boat. It's that prayer that we came back to from Julian of Norwich, all shall be well and all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. And so I'm going to press even further into that today. As I think these little baby birds that we saw in the nest, right, they're, they're super vulnerable right now. They're vulnerable to predators. They're vulnerable to the cold weather, which thankfully here, I think we're not going to hit freezing again. They're vulnerable to lack of food and they're relying completely on these adult birds. And not only do the parents come and like, you know, sit on them to keep them warm at night and bring them food, but they also do things like they sing over them and they teach them songs so that those little baby birds can eventually communicate with others. That's the way that they call to mates. It's the way they warn other birds of danger and they can be pretty specific about that. So I was listening to a book about birds last fall, just an audible as I was walking. It's called The Bird Way. And I was surprised to learn that until just recently, ornithologists thought that only male songbirds were capable of singing complex songs. All right, so most of the bird researchers had traditionally been men and they had just accepted it as common knowledge that female birds were too simple for complex thought and communication. And I'm telling you, this was up until 2016 and it was in, yeah, Molly, I'm offended on behalf of all female birds, right? 2016, there were two female ornithologists and they led this roundtable discussion at the largest ornithology conference that had ever been. And they just blew the field open by sharing their findings, which of course were that female songbirds were just as capable of complex and rich songs as the males, which read, led others then at the roundtable to say, oh, you know, I also have observed female songbirds communicating through complex songs in my field work. Huh, we just hadn't been saying this or I couldn't get published. And I was thinking about this when I was, I was kind of connecting this with a verse in the book of Zephaniah that's always stuck with me. And that verse talks about how God rejoices over us with singing. You know, God rejoices over us with singing, just like these adult birds are just like singing over their young and teaching them to communicate that God sings over us and teaches us new things and new ways to see and hear if our ears are open to hear the song. And so in that place of nesting and quiet and darkness that we might like just open our minds, it's like a more openness in that space to expand what we think we know and understand about God and about what God might say to us or how God might say something to us. And that that's a little bit like the ornithologist being surprised by complex female bird song, right? We might be surprised to hear God as something other, you know, as male, as female, as beyond gender, or maybe in different ways through nature or through our kids' observations of the world. Like I see hope there, like God could be speaking through you or through myriad ever av other avenues that might like astound even ourselves. And that that doesn't require much other than our attention to the movement of the spirit in the everyday. Right, so with baby birds in a nest, even while they're vulnerable and they're relatively still, they're like transforming rapidly. 
right? And Jesus uses a similar metaphor to talk about these concepts. And so I want to look at a conversation between Jesus and a religious leader named Nicodemus. This is from John chapter 3, 1 through 8. I'm going to put it into the chat. Well, I'm going to have to break it down into two and put it into the chat. So give me one second. It was a little long for one copy and paste, apparently. There we go. So let me start it at the top here. This is from the Sarah Rudin uh, translation, so it sounds maybe a little different than you've heard before. There was a man who belonged to the party of the Pharisees. His name was Nicodemus, and he was a leader of the ruling council. And Nicodemus came to Jesus during the night, and he said to him, Rabbi, we know you come from God as a teacher. Certainly nobody can perform these signs that you perform unless God is with him. And then Jesus answered by saying to him, Amen, amen, I tell you. So let me just stop because I think this sounds weird. They have Jesus saying, Amen, amen, all the time. But I think it's it's traditionally been translated as like, verily, verily, I say unto you, or truly, I tell you. It has that same ring. It just, I think this is a little bit weird. It's probably just closer to the language. So Jesus answered by saying, Amen, amen, I tell you. Unless someone is born anew, taking it from the top, he can't see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a person be born when he's old? He can hardly go into his mother's womb a second time and then be born again, can he? And Jesus answered, amen, amen, I'm telling you. Unless someone is born out of water and wind, breath, spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. What's born out of flesh and blood is flesh and blood. What's born out of the life breath is the life breath. So don't be bewildered that I say to you, all of you must be born anew, taking it straight from the top. The wind winds, the breath breathes wherever it wants to, and you hear its sound, its voice, but you don't always know where it comes from or where it's headed. That's the way everyone who's born out of the life breath. So I think it's a little bit of a weird exchange to our ears, at least to mine. And I think it's made even a little bit weirder by the modern American you know, Christian interpretation about what Jesus is saying here. This is the text that people use when they talk about needing to be a born again Christian, right? We've probably all heard this. And so that born again part is what gets the attention in the story, like the actual like birthing, being reborn, and that that's seen as like, ooh, this new spiritual understanding or way of life. But what I'm actually more interested in here is the incubation period that precedes the birth. Right, the incubation period that precedes the birth. Because if you're going to be truly born or have some transformation or new understanding, then you have to spend significant time in a womb. And I think it's a beautiful feminine image that Jesus selects. And it's really similar to the bird's nest, right? If you're going to transform, there are periods of spending time in darkness and vulnerability and just being held in stillness and sung over by the people who are waiting for your arrival. Right? It's a process of being incubated and learning to trust God and to rest when things are hard or confusing or complicated. And Nicodemus was a prominent religious leader. You know, I don't think Jesus was like inviting him to just throw away everything he knew and do this total about faith. But I think he was inviting him to just sit in his confusion and his doubts about what he thought he understood and then to incorporate his questions and his wonderings about Jesus, right? It's that, I think, somewhat confusing sentence, but helpful one here. It's the part where Jesus says to Nicodemus, amen, amen, I'm telling you, 
Unless someone's born out of water and wind, breath, spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. What's born out of flesh and blood is flesh and blood. What's born out of the life breath is the life breath. And I thought Diane's story, I didn't know she was going to be doing that, that story this morning actually worked really well about water baptism. I think Jesus is saying, yeah, there's, there's water baptism. That might be what he's talking about, or he might be talking about literal physical birth. We're not really sure, right? So yeah, you have to be born out of water, but you also have to be born out of wind, breath, spirit. And being born of the spirit is not a one-time event in the Bible, right? In the Christian stream that I grew up in, like being born again was seen as like this one-time event, right? And you could always, you know, have altar calls and go back and get, you know, like get right with Jesus again and again. But like being born again was seen as generally like a one-time event. But being born of the spirit, like Jesus is talking about here, it's not a one-time experience. It's an ongoing experience. There's a, a verse in Ephesians 5, and the Greek verb that Paul uses here, I'm going to copy and paste into the, into the thing. It literally translates as being continually filled with the Holy Spirit, right? That's a very ongoing operation. And that's the same way with like the Christians who were said to be filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost, we celebrate next Sunday, right? Those people who were filled with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost were then refilled a couple of chapters later in Acts chapter four. So why would they be refilled? I think it's because this idea is that becoming more like God or transforming is an ongoing process. Right? And this is what Paul is talking about in Second Corinthians. I've got heart and trans, it's the uh, Robert Bentley heart translation. But all of us with face, uh, um, all of us with face unveiled, mirroring the Lord's glory are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory as by the Lord's spirit. Right? That I think alone could be a little bit of a confusing verse, but I think it's actually saying exactly what we're saying here, right? That we're being transformed over and over and over through a rebirthing process from glory to glory, right? From being shaped over and over again by the Lord's spirit, right? And we do that when we learn to rest in God. And I think when we learn to do that in one hard season, we're more able to trust the process when the next hard season comes. So we're going to do a little bit of a meditation here. We often do a couple minutes of either silence or guided meditation. And I'm going to do something similar to what I did last time, where we're going to meditate a little bit on that Julian of Norwich prayer, because I think it's actually really key to where we're at right now as a culture and as a church. All shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Like if we can really get that deep into our spirit, I think that will help us um, in the long run. So what I'm going to invite us to do is if you would like, just get yourself comfortable. Take a couple of really deep breaths at your own pace, oftentimes in through the nose, out through the mouth is helpful. And as you're breathing and getting yourself comfortable, just picture yourself in your mind's eye, just in a really comfortable, safe place out in nature, a place that just feels restful to you. So I'm going to give you a few moments to do that. And in your space, 
just imagine what does it sound like? What does it look like? What sounds are you hearing? Let yourself become pretty immersed in the place. And I'm going to invite you, if you're able, to maybe imagine two things going on at once. One is to imagine the divine spirit of love, however you picture that, just kind of singing over you or around you as you're sitting in this space. And also as you're sitting there, to just be praying, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. All shall be well, all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Now let's take about a minute or so to do this and I'll let you know when that time is up. God, we thank you for being like an anchor in the middle of a storm. We thank you um, for providing us just rest and calm spaces to be when, when things feel turbulent or really hard. And we ask that you would help us to just recognize the ways that you're caring for us in these spaces, even just in this pandemic time and the ways that you're speaking to us and guiding us. And I ask that you would help us just be alert to sort of the, the song, metaphorical song that you are singing over us as we are in the process of becoming, and that we would find moments of comfort in that in this coming week. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.